0: The story starts, or where I like to pick it up at, is is kind of with that first day of school. So, hey, just to get you thinking a little bit, when you think about your first day of school, whether it's now, whether it's back then, whatever, what have you, what is one word that you can think of that is popping in your head about the way you feel, what you're thinking about your first day of school? Thank anxious, nervous. Thank you. scared, nervous. What is Awkward. it? Awkward. Awkward? Through all of our first days of school, you've been through a lot of them by now, you kind of think about those, those ideas. These same kind of feelings that pop up. Everybody, I think, tends to have them. This story, where I want to pick it up, is right at the first day of school. Well, I should say what's well, going to be the first day of school for the Little Rock Nine. But yeah, it's important to remember that at this time when they, they volunteer to go to the school and everything we'll start delving into, they didn't join a club, they didn't call themselves the Little Rock Nine or whatever. They were nine students that were set to go to the school. And their first day of classes here was going to be September 4th, 1957. Miss Elizabeth Eckford was one of the nine. She gets this famous, uh, these famous photos, this famous first day. So let's take a look at her experience. She said that heading into her first day of school, she felt uh, very excited. She uh, also said she was a bit nervous, right? And I don't know, just taking a look at the school, I think I'd be a little nervous walking. So she wakes up that morning. She puts on this nice white dress. She hops on a city bus. No book in her arm. She rides to a couple blocks down, about one block over, gets out and starts walking up here. And this is what she sees when she gets here. Although I imagine before she gets over the hill, she can hear it. She's walking up right down the sidewalk in front of all these houses has gathered this couple, or I'm sorry, this group of uh, a couple hundred people. All these folks are out here making a whole bunch of noise. Uh, They're chanting things in unison, like two, four, six, eight, we don't wanna integrate. They're carrying signs that they've made for that day. They're waving flags. There's music playing. Elizabeth said she felt a little more nervous when she saw them, right, heard them. All these people coming out that morning because she's going to school. Across the street, this is what she sees. All the way down in front of this huge school, wrapped around the corners, is this massive wall of Arkansas National Guardsmen, all standing out there in military uniform, many of them with rifles, all of them with wooden batons at their side. (coughs) Elizabeth said when she saw them, she actually felt a little bit better. She knew the governor placed them there to keep law and order and keep the peace, right? Thought they were there to protect her so she comes walking up here to go to school. She sees all these other students that are walking through this wall of guard and heading into school. But when she gets right here across the street from us, this corner here, tries to walk through for the first time, one of the guards stops her and won't let her by. And she asks the guard, "Where, where should I go, what should I do? And there's this famous picture of both of them standing on that corner and they're pointing down the street this way. And he's telling her to walk on down a little ways. So she does. She walks on down a little bit further, she tries to go through the wall of guard again. And when she gets there, the soldier stops her and won't let her by only well, takes a couple times she realizes this isn't going to happen. As Elizabeth starts to walk down the middle of that road, some of the people come off the sidewalk, they start to surround her, they start to shout some of the worst things in the world you can imagine. Of this poor girl, there. they're calling her names, they're insulting her, they're spitting on that nice white dress that she wore for that day. Uh, it got so bad, she got to the edge of the school down there, and she remembers somebody in the crowd saying something along the lines of, here's a tree, somebody get a rope. Oh 15-year-old girl and, uh, all by herself walking down the road.
1: Imagine going to school every day fearing for your life, fearing that someone might egg you again or throw tears at you or maybe even throw acid in your eyes just because of the color of your skin. That's what the Little Rock Nine went through each and every day before entering the Little Rock Central High. Um, what, and I feel like this story was something that I could connect to and just really um, spoke to my life and my experiences, I would feel I would feel unwanted and I would feel very so um, like I didn't belong in this world just because of the color of my skin and just because I wanted to get an education. I went to an uh, all-white high school in Everett, Washington and it's up north uh, of Seattle and so um, I just remember being in school just feeling very uh, left out, and feeling like I couldn't fit in anywhere, um, I, uh, so I would always try to be friends with just everyone, just because that's kind of how I am, I just want to talk to everyone and uh, just get to learn about different people, and I felt like other people weren't like that towards me, and I really never wore my hair naturally in high school, just because the one day that I did, um, it kind of became the talk of every room that I entered, or every hallway that I walked through, I felt like I was a museum and that people just wanted to... um... So I felt like um, people uh, just wanted to um, kind of pick at me and just, uh, one of the boys actually said that, one of the white boys said that my hair reminded him of a poodle's hair. And so um, I didn't really know how to respond to these things. Um, There was this one boy in particular who always would kind of just pick at me and his name was Jeff and I shared a locker with him and I also um, coincidentally sat next to him in a lot of my classes and um, I shared a locker with him and I, one day I touched his locker on accident and he kind of was with his friends and he was like, oh I can't believe your your dirty, like, black hands just touched my locker.
0: It is one of those amazing things because we do talk so heavily about this event. We talk about it like it's history, we talk about these people like it's history, yet they still (coughs) walk through the door, they're still alive, this isn't that long ago and so much of this resonates in things that you see today.
2: My name is Joel Allen, Little Rock Central High School, the uh, site of the Little Rock 9 which is um, the first integrated public school, I believe, uh, in the nation, and uh, we just we walked through, we saw, we saw the site where the mobs opposed the, the integration and the welcoming of the students. We walked through the threshold that uh, the students eventually were able to uh, walk through, you know as, as they um, spent time at the school. We uh, spent time in the auditorium and um, saw how how grand the whole area was in itself and just um, tried to try to put ourselves in the shoes of the nine students of color amidst the uh, the thousands of, um, of of students that might not have looked like or that didn't look like them and uh, we also went to the cafeteria where um, where Minnie Jean had her breakdown as, as our guide uh, termed it in um, and was really subject to, subject to the administration and really kind of was counter against what she, what she said she would do, her, her, her commitment to not retaliate.
3: Uh, what do you think of that, by the way? That, uh, would you use the phrase breakdown?
2: Uh, I wouldn't say she broke down. I'm sure it was a cognitive decision, and she definitely was fed up. You know, she, she, I can imagine her being fed up but I don't think that she broke down. I don't think it was a mental thing. You know, she, she's, she was spirited. She had charisma. So, um, the fact that if it was going to be anybody to do that, it wouldn't be the introvert. It'd be the extrovert, the one that doesn't mind, uh, expressing herself. And, um, and oftentimes, you know, when you're constrained like that, and you don't have that avenue, you know, you, you take what you get when you can get it. And at that moment, it was, it was the chili in her hand, you know? So, uh, I, I was, so that was interesting.
3: I was thinking about Jackie Robinson. One mm-hmm. thing Jackie Robinson had was he could go out on the field and whack that ball and heave that, that ball back really? towards the base runners. I mean, he had an outlet right there. Um, what was the – oh, say say your name. Say oh. my name is. Too.
2: My name is Joel Allen from Bellevue College. So.
3: And what was the question you asked as we – Stood in the in the doorway of the school and looked at the pictures of the nine in their display case.
2: The question I asked the group was um, during that first day when they were getting ushered in by the National Guard and taking taking some of the how can okay what what else would you say some of the alternate routes in the school. In having to leave the school in the fashion that they did, I asked, um, what do you think that the Little Rock Nine got an education in their first day? You know, their first day of school, as our, our guard termed it, because he called it the first day of school. Yeah. And it was um, meant to be a rhetorical question, but then it also a question that I felt that, um, you know, if, if people could, to provide some sort of answer. And... Um, I think about it, and you know, I could give the the basic answer of oh um, they got a, they got an education and resilience or uh, race relations or human interaction, but um the more I think about it, I think that they they got an education in in self because the more that you can't express yourself, the more you have to internally think on how you're going to deal with situations, how you're gonna cope with situations. And as they had each other. They saw themselves in each other, and they saw something comfortable with one another that taught them more about who they were and what their mission was. And maybe you know they were they were teenagers, so they may they they might not have saw themselves as making a sacrifice, or saw themselves as uh, doing something for the greater good rather than doing something that um, would personally reward them. But I think that they they were they had the chance to see themselves in a in a truer light. Amidst all the all the turmoil, all the pain that was in front of them, so wow, yeah, I think I That's think they, they learned more about themselves than they did anything else.
3: That reminds me, that answer reminds me of Carolyn yesterday mm-hmm. at Sixteenth uh, Street Baptist Church, and and the uh, the calm strength after many years of pain and suffering that she had to contend with because she had lost her friends. And that bombing, but that's that reminds me of that. That's a really good thought. I like that thought. It's amazing to think about the strength these people had to go through. True. I mean, that question about what would you do? <laughs> you know, like like Globe said, you know, you have to. But boy, mm-hmm. we don't often.
2: True. Definitely a powerful sight, though, man. Like. This is where it all started, though. And to think that this is where it all started, like, in, in our nation. So that's that, that's something else. Something else. And to be here and to, to walk through it. And this is my first time coming through this site. So, You know,
3: I sometimes would like to ask the, the, the you know, those crowds of white people, kids. But the kids learn from their parents. But mm-hmm. what, what? you know, what are they thinking? I mean, what are they... I know what they're thinking in the surface, you know, what they're screaming and shouting, but they must have moments when they... Don't they ask themselves, what the hell are they saying to each other? It's just so painful. I mean, I guess when you're a kid, you can make excuses, but they're hearing it from their parents. Yeah. Yeah. We're a very immature species.
2: I think about that often, especially when I look at actually yeah nature is one of those things that bring me back like even yesterday I, um i was so upset when we were walking through kelly ingram park and just you know the bombings and and then how how it seemed that some people were processing the information and i was getting flustered within myself and then i looked up and i saw a squirrel jump from one tree to the other and i was like ah oh, he understands he got it and i like that kind of just brought me back to uh to reality because um we're the only. We're the only species that, like you said, that do things like this. That that, that don't operate within nature.
3: <laughs> Amen. You know so. the the um, two of the. I, I won't make you freeze out here. Two no, of the God. two of the folks that are with us. Um, one's a one has been a Puget Sound keeper, so taking care of the sound. The other one's also mm-hmm. in, engaged in taking care of the the sound and the and the uh, and the environment. I think. In some ways, that would be solace, huh. almost like science, almost like what we heard about her being able to go to uh, a class where it was math and she could just
2: be a student, be a, to be a student, and, and that was that's the purpose of of these institutions. You know, it's not to, I mean, yeah, it's life experience and, and socialization, but um, but to to be a student and to feel that you can actually learn in that one classroom.
3: Mark was going to tell me a story about, uh, I'm taking yours. Yeah. Mark was going to tell me a story about, he was thinking about what it was for the athletes who, who, had, who lost a whole year, hmm. school was closed, and I would like to have heard what some of them would have had to have said. It's just like that same thing with Jackie Robinson again, right? Like yeah. some of those people like Pee Wee said, well, wait a minute, here's the best player we could have. Why would we do this sort of <laughs> thing? But people have so much hate. I, don't, I just, you, you just gotta wonder where that well of hate comes from, yeah. or maybe what, maybe you don't have to wonder where it comes from because I guess we know where it comes from. But what keeps you dipping into it?
2: Man, that is, that's a really good question. What keeps you dipping into it. I mean, I know it's economic. Yes.
3: I know it's all the things that Kim was saying. Your professor, you know, the, the way we. <sighs> Keeps you dipping into
2: it. Where, where would you put yourself in this? Um, so when they're setting the scenes and you're and you're hearing about these Little Rock Nine, I, I find it easy to put myself in the in the shoes of the Little Rock Nine, and oftentimes even some even um, in the shoes of the children that were jeering and, and causing the issues. Where'd you put yourself? You know,
3: I try to, to put myself in the shoes. You know, I try to do what we're supposed to do is. As, jur- you know, as journalists, right, we're supposed to be empathetic and listen. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I'm like you. I try to think, well, what are they doing? What are they on all those sides? How does it feel? But I also was thinking two things I've been thinking about. I guess this is me talking, too, in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Two things I've been thinking about. One is uh, 1970. 19, 1970. Mm-hmm. I went to an all-white high school in the suburbs of Chicago. And those towns existed because those people fled as Chicago, uh, you know, as, as African-Americans moved to Chicago. A lot of those ethnic groups, those white ethnic groups, fled to these different enclaves. So this was a, I was in a Jewish uh, uh, suburb. It really did break down like that in some ways, And I was next door to a, the, uh, a, a Christian suburb. So sometimes, and I went to this high school, so I, as a, I was a Jew and a minority, and I, you know, I heard stuff. But, Mm. but, you know, still, I have this, you know, I I heard stuff, but it, you know, I had the white skin, right? Tall white man. Mm. Uh, One black student came to our school. Uh, I think I must have been a, she was a senior. I was a, I was a sophomore. But I just, but I just remember, first of all, everybody knew. And so that was something. That person had to deal with that. And secondly, and I think. I don't know. I don't know how it was for her, but it must have surely been isolating. Hmm. But um, that just must have been so isolating. And then the other thing, though, is uh, 1968. So I was uh, going to go to, I was going to start in my high school. So I was eighth grade, 68, Dr. King was killed, Bobby Kennedy was killed, Chicago was, and then we had the convention. So Chicago was a flame. Chicago was just riots every day. People were getting killed. Cops on the street. It, Chicago was aflame. Our school decided, along with the school on the south side of Chicago, to start Project Wingspread. And so uh, I think there were 13, 12 of us. There were twelve of us. I think we volunteered. Maybe we volunteered. We must have volunteered. Twelve students from um, I don't remember what high school it was, but so it's twelve black students okay. and the and the and twelve white students. And the idea was here we're gonna spread our wings, and we're going to try to encourage reaching across the boundaries. And all I can tell you is that it was a cool experience in terms of going into, we went downtown and saw all the cool things in downtown Chicago, and, and, and the students came up to, you know, saw the less cool things of coming into <laughs> Highland Park. We did some classwork together, and we did some um, events together, because it was new and people didn't know what we were doing, nobody talked. Uh-huh. And there was none of, the, none of the effort to reach across the aisle. And in the end, we, we were very, our friendships were very superficial and didn't last. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was a valiant effort, but it was, we just we're just so ignorant. So, and we're just kids, right? So, so we wanted to, we tried. You know, we all, tra- you know all the kids were there, tried. But in the end, right? We just saw difference yeah. on all sides. We just didn't have this. St- we didn't have the intelligence. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Thank you for sharing, and then thank, thank you, then you. Thank you, you for sharing, so. yeah. thank you for talking to me. Yeah. So, what do you usually do with your? stuff makes me makes me so. It's wearying.
2: Mm. Yeah, and that's how <coughs> world- is it wearying for you? Oh, very wearying. I mean, but the best part, I guess, would be like at the night at, in nighttime when I'm able to. Um, process information and then speak to my peers about it, you know, like uh and, and really that's where the reconciliation process I guess really occurs because it's you know to usually well, last night it was myself, Ryan, Dylan and Austin and we just had some of the most organic conversation about what we experienced in, in our life experiences and um in yeah. and, and where we're trying to go, where we what we learned and, and how this is going to shape us, how it's going to make us better people, what we're going to do in the future. blood shed
3: by African-Americans who were beaten unconscious in Selma, Alabama, and the blood shed by Irish gunned down in, Irish citizens gunned down in Derry, Northern Ireland, nothing.
1: Injustice looks the same no matter what continent you're on. The power is in the forearms and metal bullets and billy clubs. It must have sounded like blindness. Bones breaking like government promises.
3: Selma, Dairy, a clear example that discrimination does not discriminate based on your skin color or where you stay is merely based upon who will be predator and who is the prey.
1: Who will have the power, whose life will be at stake.
0: It was a cloudy day in Derry. There was tension in the air in Selma. Unfulfilled desire remained to be achieved. Even though an ocean separated the people.
2: Citizens just want to be treated like citizens. January 30, 1972, a somber Sunday when Derry's freedom fight turned to bloodshed and last rights. March 7,
0: 1965, a march in Selma for the right of all to vote silenced by clubs cracking bones and tear gas uh, choking throats. The streets remember what happened that Sunday.
1: Irish concrete, Alabama granite, churn and tumble
3: like the ferocity of the people. They walk side by side in the same streets,
1: facing the same obstruction. What is the difference between Selma and Derry?
3: like this looks
0: the same no matter what continent you're on discrimination does not discriminate based upon your skin color or where you stay it is merely based upon who will be predator and who is forced to be prey